You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. Easter morning 2020 is here. It's a bit different from the usual Easter mornings when we gather in church, but we're still here together, albeit online. And we're here to celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, particularly today, we're here to celebrate his resurrection. Easter is arguably the most important date in the Christian calendar. It's the day of great rejoicing. It's the day when we, we understand that Jesus really is the God-man. It's the day when death is defeated and Jesus goes and takes the keys of death and hell from Satan. It's the day when Jesus rose from the dead. Wow, we've got so much to celebrate this morning. Do you know that Christ rising says he is Lord? In Romans 1 and 4, speaking of Jesus, it says, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God. Amazing. Christ rising from the dead says, our salvation is sure. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 20 says, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, but still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But, but, don't you love the buts in scripture? Christ is, has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstborn of those who have fallen asleep. And wow, if that's not enough encouragement this Easter morning, Christ rising says, we shall rise also. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. What promises we have as Christians, because Christ arose on that very first Easter morning. But you know, that Easter morning didn't start off that way. It was full of tears. It was a day when there was great crying and, and certainly not rejoicing. So turn with me to read in John chapter 20, and we'll read from verses 11 to 18. And I'm reading to you from the New International Version. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. I saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So we have tears until verse 16, and then those tears turn to great rejoicing. The background to this event is found earlier in the chapter. Mary had gone to the tomb early that morning and had already discovered that the heavy stone had been moved from the entrance to the tomb. And that sent her back running to the disciples to tell them the body had been stolen. She saw the stone was moved and she assumed that the body was gone. Now their immediate reaction was to go running back to see for themselves. And we see the next part where they go charging off and it's a bit like Jess and me running somewhere. I can tell you for certain she is always going to get there before me. Well, John seems to have been the faster runner because we read that he got there first, whatever the reason. He immediately saw the stone was moved and he looked inside. There was no body. Just strips of linen cloth Jesus had been bound in, just lying there. And the burial cloth that would have been covering his head was lying to the side, neatly folded. And then Peter gets there. And we know Peter, don't we? Big, blustery Peter, as usual, dives straight in, right into the tomb, because he needs to see for himself what's going on. And here's the scene. It's as though Jesus had just passed right through the grave clothes. Hardly the scene grave robbers would have left if they'd been involved in stealing the body, as the authorities wanted people to believe. They would hardly have been taken the time to strip the body and leave the scene as it was found with the neatly folded burial cloth and the grave clothes. John seems to have got the courage from Peter because we read, he now goes into the tomb and verse 8 says, he saw and he believed. He believed because he saw. But they still weren't getting that this was the fulfilment of scripture, of prophecy, of God's plan for mankind. They used their eyes and they believed what they saw, but they were not able to relate it to all Jesus had taught them over the three years previously. He was with them. This was scripture being fulfilled in front of them, but they were missing the link. Now, it's not Peter and John and their role in the scene I want to concentrate on this morning. I want us to look at Mary Magdalene and I want us to think of her story from those tears of great sorrow and pain to the path of service she followed. And there's three points I want to make. First, I want us to look at her depression and then at her devotion and then finally at her direction. So first of all, why would I say to you that Mary was depressed? Well, simple. She really, really, really loved Jesus. She's lost this wonderful man who had been part of her life since he had healed her and cast out seven demons from her. He had completely turned her life around and given her something to live for. Two days ago, she had watched him die the cruelest of deaths. 
but she knew he had done nothing to deserve this punishment. And she was there in absolute despair. Her focus was on her grief and she was completely lost in that. And somehow she goes into autodrive. If she couldn't do anything else, she could make sure he was properly ready for burial. And so she went to the tomb as early as she could to do the work of an undertaker. She's brought spices to anoint the dead body. But then when she got there, a huge stone which had been blocking the entrance had been moved. And in her pessimism and her confusion and her disappointment, she assumed her Lord's body had been stolen or someone had moved it. And she ran back to tell Peter and the disciples that someone had taken her Lord. And we've already seen them run to check out the story for themselves. You know, there are many today who are defeated by their doubts and their fears, especially just now in this terrible time of pandemic. We've never known an attack like this, have we? A virus which is taking and killing vulnerable people across the whole world, and then it's taking people who are very healthy. We don't know who it will strike next. And although we are doing everything that the authorities have told us to do, it seems to come like a silent thief. We've never known anything like this other than in the movies. The fear is almost as bad as the actual virus for many people. It's real. It's real. Mental health issues are rife as people are isolated and feel alone and maybe even totally abandoned. There are many this morning who are feeling like Mary, depressed, filled with anxiety and doubt. Maybe that's how you're feeling this morning. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. But you're doubting he's listening to your cries. You think he's not interested in your fears and your worries, that he can't possibly understand what you're going through, can't be in this pandemic and what it's causing. Well, let me point you back to Mary Magdalene. She's in exactly the same despair. She's seen what Peter and John have seen, but she's not understanding any of it. And she's not able to stimulate belief in the way that they have. I want us to look at verse 10 because I find it a very, very strange verse to read. It's talking about these two disciples. They've run to the tomb, they've gone in, they've seen the empty tomb. And verse 9 actually says, John saw and believed, although he didn't understand why events had to go the way they did to fulfil scripture. Now, they're believing. So what did they do? They went everywhere shouting about, Jesus is alive, it's amazing. Did they? No. Verse 10 says, they went back to their homes. They went home. They Not even together to discuss what had happened. It's incredible. But this is what people do. And it's why I know for sure the intellectual knowledge of Jesus is never enough. It's never enough to just know about Jesus. You have to meet with him face to face. Mary didn't go home. She stayed where she hoped to find answers. She still wanted to find her Lord, even though she thought he was dead. She still wanted to find him. And so she lingered and she waited. She cried. We can be so impatient sometimes. 
let me tell you, sometimes it pays to wait. Proverbs 8 and 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. We know that to be true. Waiting on God, he'll always respond. We certainly have time just now to wait. In a way, we would never have thought possible. Mary's just, she's there at the tomb, just still weeping, just looking for answers. Verse 11 tells she looked back into the tomb. And this time, she sees more than empty grave clothes, more than a folded burial cloth. She sees two angels in white, just sitting where the body has lain, one at the head, the other at the foot, and they have a question for her. Why are you crying? I think if she hadn't been so upset, she might have wanted to punch the one asking such a silly question. What am I crying for? You're sitting in the grave where my Lord should be and you're asking me why I'm crying. Are you stupid? Someone's stolen his body. I don't know where he is. Well, that's what I would have said anyway. But they knew he was alive. And so to them, it was a very fair question. If only she could get past the veil clouding her vision, her memory. If only she could remember what Jesus had spent three years telling his followers. See, if she'd remembered that, she would have been rejoicing, not weeping. But she's forgotten his promise to her. She's forgotten his power. She's forgotten his presence. But none of that altered the fact that he had risen. He had risen. He is risen. He is alive. Mary's tears at this point were completely pointless. She just didn't realise it. These are very uncertain times we are living in. They're scary. They're frightening. But I want to tell you, you can trade your fears for faith and rest in the risen Christ. No one rises from the dead unless they have power over death. You can trust this God we preach about because he is risen and he lives forevermore. Mary was depressed. But let's look now at her devotion. Mary loved Jesus. He had completely changed her life for good and she followed him because of that. In Luke chapter 8, it starts off with these words. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, here she is, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. I'll turn over to Mark's Gospel into chapter 16, and we also read about seven demons coming out of Mary of Magdala. So it's very, very important the point that's being made about this number. You'll probably be aware that number seven is the perfect number. So this was a serious demon possession. It indicates an aggravated or a violent form of possession. She had been completely under the power of these demons living in her, and they were destroying her. But Jesus had set her completely and utterly free. And we know she became an ardent follower of Jesus. She knew she owed him her life, literally, and boy, did she love him for it. 
She was absolutely gutted by what happened on the day we now know as Good Friday. So here she is, being questioned by two angels as she stays where she knew he had last been. Why are you crying? Well, just picture the scene, if you will. They're inside the tomb. They're sitting where Jesus has been laid. They're looking at her, crying, sobbing, extremely upset. But they're seeing past her. And they're seeing Jesus standing there. Why are you crying is the only question they could ask. He's there. He's risen. He's conquered death. Why are you crying? I wonder if it was their gaze that made her turn around and see that someone else was there. And this person asked the same question the angels have just asked. Why are you crying? But he adds, who are you looking for? He's not asking because he doesn't know the answer. He knows why she's there. She's still not getting it, though. I'm sure every one of us have experienced a time when we've been so upset that we can't focus on anything else. Our breathing's rasping, our eyes are streaming, even our nose. It's not a good look. It's not a pleasant feeling. Well, Mary's like that. She sees the man. She doesn't even recognise him. She's so caught up in her misery and she's not looking for a living man at all. She's looking for a dead man. Verse 15 says, thinking he was the gardener. Some versions say supposing he was the gardener. Well, thinking, supposing, it kind of explains her abject sorrow. You know, there are many people feeling like Mary today. It's a time of deep emotion which can blind people to the presence of Jesus but it doesn't stop him being there. Mary's looking at him, but she's not seeing him. And many find themselves in deep depression. You will have seen the man in Australia mourning the loss of his brother, who was his best friend, but he can't travel to Scotland to say a last farewell. Or I was so touched by the lady in Ireland who has just lost both her parents to coronavirus. Within hours of each other, she was holding it together in front of the media cameras, but behind closed doors, it will be a different story. And the most heartbreaking one I think I saw was the 13-year-old who had died and he was being buried alone. No family there. But you know what, people? He is still there. How does Jesus get her out of this depression? He calls her name, Mary. When she heard him speak her name, everything changed. She immediately recognises him and responds, Master, no other words were necessary. She's got it. Well, let me tell you, Jesus still calls his own by name. Jesus is described in John chapter 10 as the good shepherd. Listen to verse 2. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Go back into the Old Testament, Isaiah 43 and 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who formed you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Tommy Walker penned the words of a song we sometimes sing, but the chorus says, He knows my name. He knows my every thought. 
He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. He knows my name. Listen, no matter what the crisis is, and I'm not belittling this crisis in the least, it's huge and it's very real. And that's apart from all the other things that are going in, on in some people's lives. Maybe it's redundancy, maybe it's health issues, maybe it's relationship issues. But I want to tell you, he knows your name. He knows my name, he knows your name. He's in the crisis with us, sustaining us, binding us together with him, making sure we understand he's not left us, he's there with us. Mary's whole demeanour changed when she heard him call her name. She knew he had been raised from the dead. She knew he was alive. She knew he was the son of God. She knew in that moment that he would always be with her. And if tears stopped, there was no need now to be crying. In that split second, as she heard him call Mary, everything changed and she had a totally new direction for her life. What was that direction? Well, Jesus tells her what he wants her to do next. He sets her off on a whole new direction. And it starts with go and tell. Totally different from how the boys had dealt with the realisation that Jesus had been risen and went home. Mary went off to tell them she had seen the Lord and he had a message for her to deliver. Mary now had a mission to fulfil. The gospel always starts with go. There's always a go at the beginning. You can't have the gospel without a go. Go and tell the good news. Mary had amazing news to share. I have seen the Lord. Now, in fairness to the men, they did see him too, and they did take the good news far and wide, just later than this woman. There's no tears for Mary. She's moved from darkest fear and dread and gloom and heartache, all of the things that were depressing her. She's moved to resurrection morning and rejoicing. It's resurrection morning, people of God. Many people will have weakened this morning to chocolate eggs and new life and chicks and bunnies, but there's still the fear and the angst that there's been over these last weeks. They have no idea that this is a day for celebrating the most important event in history. Jesus is alive and knows your name. Even in the great crisis we are in at this moment in time, God is still calling your name. Stop and listen. You'll hear him. He doesn't hide from us. He comes. It doesn't matter the situation that you're in. It doesn't matter what your background has been or what you've done with your life until now, how far you are from him. Look at Mary from Magdala, the pit that she was in, and Jesus freed her. If he can call her, why not you? He's risen. He's alive. You can trust him. His promise is not to remove you from the situation, but to bring you peace, knowing that he is in it with you, has your life in his hands and won't ever let you go. You can move from tears and fears to triumphant resurrection. Listen, he's calling your name. If you haven't met him before, reach out to him. 
Ask his forgiveness for the past and ask him to come into your life now and you will know that peace and security that only he can bring. I'm praying for each one of you listening to this message that you will reach out as he calls you by name. May God bless you and remember, love your neighbour. <laughs>